Thank you, Danny. So I'm talking tonight about the new covenant. And can I just see by a show of hands, how many of you know what a covenant is? Okay, that's better than I thought. Um, so a covenant, a good way to think about a covenant is imagine if you really wanted something, um, an Xbox, a puppy, a new phone, something like that. And your parents said, hey, as long as you keep your room clean for a whole month, you can get whatever that is. So what are you going to do in response to that promise? If you truly believe that your parents are going to give you that thing, you're going to work to keep your room as spotless as possible. Um, and this is the idea of the covenant, that God has given us a promise. He says, hey, I will give you this, and in return, you do this for me. Um, and, yeah, but God has promised us something that is far more valuable than anything your parents can promise you. He's promised his children eternal life and the ability to live in community with him forever. The Old Testament gives us a lot of rules and regulations about what God has commanded his people to follow. Um, but these were the requirements of the Old Covenant. And we, today, as Christians, are under the New Covenant. We have new things we have to follow, new regulations. Um, and these old, the regulations for the Old Covenant are not the base of what we need to do follow as Christians. The New Covenant is the result of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is only possible through the ministry of Jesus, both what he did on earth and what he continues to do for us in heaven with the Father. As Christians, we are partakers of this new covenant. And that means we are to follow the requirements that have been set before us. We're going to be looking at the book of Hebrews, specifically chapter 8. Um, and in the book of Hebrews, there are many, many references to the new covenant and how Jesus is a better mediator of that covenant than Moses, who was seen as the mediator of the old covenant. We will be looking at the first seven verses of Hebrews 8. So if you want to turn there, you can. Um, the book of Hebrews was originally written to be given to a group of Christians that came from a Jewish context. They would have known very well the Old Covenant and the rules and regulations that were in it. Their whole worldview would have been based off of this covenant. Um, and the author of Hebrews is telling us that the covenant that they had based their entire worldview on is not nearly as great as the covenant we have now. Because Christ is greater, the covenant he has brought to us is greater than the old covenant. God's new covenant with his people is greater than his old covenant. It has greater promises and changes those under the covenant to be able to follow the covenant. So, if you'll read with me, Hebrews 8 verses 1 through 7. Now, the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus, it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. 
For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, there would be no occasion to look for a second. That's a lot, but don't worry. We're going to break it up into three parts. The first part, in verses 1 to 3, we're going to see that Christ is a heavenly priest. In point 2, in ver- for verses 4 and 5, we're going to see that Christ is a high priest with a higher ministry. And then in verses 6 to 7, that Christ is a higher priest of a higher covenant. So, in verse 1, we see that we have a high priest that is seated at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. This is his statement of both the importance of Jesus, but also his proximity to God. The Bible uses the word majesty majesty here to refer to God. Depending on your translation, the word majesty is probably capitalized. This is meaning showing that he's referring to God and not just the beauty of heaven. Jesus does not just have a closer relationship to God than any other human. He is portrayed as being seated right next to God. Verse 2 tells us that he is a minister in the holy places that are the true tent. This is referring to the tabernacle that was in Israel. Um, in that tabernacle, there was a tent that was split into two parts. The first part was called the holies, the holy place, and the second was called the holy of holies. Um, in the first part, many priests could go in and do all the things that needed to be done. But in the second part, the holies of holies, only the high priest could go. And him even could only go once a year. So, the, yeah, the whole, on earth, the Holy of Holies was the holiest place possible. It was a place so holy that for most of the year, the only one who was allowed inside the tent was God. But in verse 2 of Hebrews, we see that Christ is ministering to the holies of holies in heaven, in a tent that was built by God, not by man. However holy the tabernacle was, It cannot come close to the holiness of the tabernacle that God has built in heaven. Jesus is a high priest that is ministering in the holies of holies that is far above the one that was on earth. But verse 3 tells us the high priest is appointed so that they can offer gifts and sacrifices. Sacrifices were one of the requirements of the old covenant, in part because they were a tangible reminder of the evil of their sin. We know that Jesus is not in heaven offering sacrifices daily for all of us. Christ is a high priest because he offered a sacrifice that has paid for sin once and for all. He offered a sacrifice that makes it unnecessary to ever offer a sacrifice ever again. This sacrifice is one of the reasons that the new covenant is greater than the old. Christ's place in heaven is greater than the place of the high priests at home on earth. Imagine you built an exact replica of Grace Church, one hundredth of the size. That would be impressive. And if you made sure to run all the services and events and everything that the church does inside this small church, that would be very impressive. But no matter how exact your replica of the building or the events are, they would not be nearly as important or impressive as the real building of Grace Church. In the same way with the heavenly ministry of Christ, what was commanded in the old covenant was good and holy, but what is from the new covenant is better and is holier. One of the main ways that 
knowing this should change our lives, is that it should shape how we think about Christ, how we think about Christianity. Our drive to understand Christ and his work should grow as we understand how important and amazing he is. If we rightly understand who Christ is and what he has done for us, we should be driven to seek him more. We should seek a relationship with him, but also seek to understand his teaching, because you cannot have one without the other. Point two, Christ is a high priest with a higher ministry. In verse one, we read that Jesus is our high priest, but in verse four, the writer states that if Jesus were on earth, he would not be a high priest at all. Jesus would not have been a high priest on earth because he did not minister to his people according to the law of the old covenant. And he would not have been allowed to be a priest because he was from a different tribe than the priests were required to be from. Based on the criteria of the Old Testament, or the Old Covenant, Jesus could not serve as a high priest. But under the New Covenant, he ministers in the heavenly tabernacle. And we see immediately after this, in the next verse, how Christ's ministry is higher than the ministry of the high priests on earth. Verse 5 says that the earthly priests serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. But Christ does not serve the imperfect earthly reflection. He serves the perfect heavenly tabernacle. The high priests that have been appointed in that role, according to the Old Covenant, serve a lesser role than Christ does in his service to the New Covenant. Going back to that mini version of Grace Church that you built, if you named yourself the head pastor of that church and you held all the services, your ministry to that church would not be nearly as important as Pastor Troy's service to this church. Pastor Troy has responsibility and authority that you would not have over your mini grace church. The mini church that you built is a copy of that larger church, like the earthly tabernacle is a copy of the heavenly church. Just as we do not measure up to the task of leading a church like Pastor Troy does, every other human in existence fails to measure up to the task that is before Christ. It should be an incredible encouragement to all of us that Christ ministers for us in heaven, because without him, there would be nobody that could do it. Now, Christ is a high priest of a higher covenant. Verse 6 brings all that we have been talking about together. Christ's ministry in heaven is more excellent than the ministry done on earth. And in the same way, his ministry is better because the covenant he ministers for is better. In verse 1 through 3, we saw that Christ is a high priest that ministers in heaven. In verses 4 and 5, we saw that the ministry he ministers, his ministry does greater than the ministry that is, than the ministry for the old covenant. Sorry, I typed that up really weird. All of this comes together in the next two verses. The new covenant, the one that we are under as Christians, is greater than the old covenant. Why is this new covenant better than the old? Verse 6 tells us that it's because it is enacted on better promises. God has promised his people many things, but we see in the rest of chapter 8 two of the great promises that are available to us in this new covenant. That we will be able to know God and that he will not hold our sin against us. The rest of chapter 8 is a quote from the book of Jeremiah, and we do not have time to fully go into it today. But within this quote, God tells his people that he will put his law into the minds and hearts of his people. They will have no need to teach one another to know the Lord, because they will all know the Lord. 
The quote ends with the statement that God will remember the sins of his people no more. These two promises from the Lord are part of the new covenant, and they are part of what makes the new covenant the better covenant. But on top of the better promises, verse 7 tells us that the old covenant was not perfect. That is also why we look for a new covenant. The old covenant required sacrifice and continual death. The new covenant required one sacrifice and only one death to pay for all sins. So we know that not only is Christ better than the high priests we have from the old covenant, his ministry is better than the ministry of the old covenant, but also the covenant he is a minister of is better than the old covenant. On all sides, Christ has brought us something better than was given before. Christ has presented us with a gift far more valuable than his people have had before. Turning back once again to your little model of Grace Church that you built, it is a great way for you to point people to the church. You say, hey, look at this little tiny church I built. There's a bigger one. There's a better one. Go to that one. Um, But no matter how many people end up going to this grace because of your little model, the model will still fall short of the real thing. The full, real grace church is greater than your model, no matter the good that your model does. In the same way, the new covenant is greater than the old. The old covenant had good, and it was important to the people of God as they were in it. But now that we, now the new covenant is here, and we see how much better it is than the old covenant. This new covenant is greater than the old. The Bible itself says so. As Christians under this new covenant, we should see the value, and we should pursue this covenant. Christ has given us so much, and the Bible is clear that it is far more than the people of God have even been able to experience since the perfection than was in the Garden of Eden. We should pursue being under the covenant and work to ensure that we are doing everything that is required of us from this covenant. But what is required of us in this covenant? In Acts 16, a man asks what he needs to do in order to be saved. Paul responds to him and says all he needs to do is believe in the Lord Jesus. In order to be a member of the new covenant, that is all that is needed from you, is to believe. That belief will bring about a change in your life that will lead you to live completely differently. Like Grayson was telling us earlier, he came to know God, and that changed his desires. He wanted to read the Bible. He wanted to know. And that is a requirement for all believers. If you are a follower of Christ, you are under the new covenant, and you are able to benefit from the promises of that covenant. But if you are not a follower of Christ, the Bible is clear that you cannot rest on those promises. You know you are a follower of Christ when the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And if the Spirit does, not, does dwell with you, it will bring change in your life. If your life isn't changing because of your faith in Christ, you don't have a faith in Christ. The covenant is not something to be taken lightly. And if you have any questions, you can ask any of us leaders out here. And we will be happy to talk with you, if you'll pray with me.